Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is uh, first-time filmmaker Alex Oshmiansky. Alex is a filmmaker, but um, maybe not the kind of filmmaker you think. I've been studying up on what he does, and i got to tell you, uh, it's impressive, it's cutting edge, it's got uh, the big guys paying attention, like when I say big guys, George Lucas, Robert Redford, and it's got young, new, uh, budding filmmakers picking his brain, uh, Alex's brain, to try and find out what's going on. But guess what the title is? I love this. Career Opportunities in Organized Crime. Now, I'm Italian, so <laughs> it's a title that appeals to me. I tell you, Alex, why don't we give you an opportunity to talk here. Give us the storyline, if you will, as much as you want to give away for career opportunities in uh, organized crime. And then we'll get into all the other exciting 21st century stuff. Oh, sure. Uh, so the plot of the film is that uh, a group of... Uh of Russian mobsters aren't uh, aren't doing too well, mm-hmm. uh, and they decide to make a sort of the office style mo- uh, recruitment video uh, to try to get people to, to join the Russian mafia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're particularly interested in getting you know American computer hackers uh, <laughs> to join the organization so they can get you know internet money somehow. Sure. You know they figure you know what better way to attract these this hot young talent than showing them all the benefits. Uh, of joining the Russian Mafia. Mm-hmm. And the film is, is shot two separate ways. One, it's shot uh, as a conventional film. Mm-hmm. And simultaneously, it's shot, uh, as you're saying, as a virtual reality 360-degree uh, movie. But uh, I, I guess we'll get more into well, that now. Yes, as we go. I guess, um, having said that, though, this is a mockumentary, making fun of documentary style, and as you say, it's it's about the recruitment, uh, about making a recruitment video for the Russian mafia. That was you. I was uh, I watched on the video, right? Giving the explanation. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, so you never see uh, me in the the conventional film, but no. in the three hundred sixty degree version, since you can see everything in the room at all times, yes. including 
including uh, the director, yeah, uh, you, you can see me in the, the 360 degree. But I watched also, in addition to that, I watched uh, an explanation of the cameras and the technique. Guy in a beard. You kind oh, yes, yes, yes. That, that, that's me with okay. the beard. I thought so. It sounded like you. So why don't we go from there? First of all, tell us what your day job is, you announced in that educational video. Okay, so you take pictures of brains and other parts of the body so we can, so doctors, know what they're trying to fix. Is that too simplified? Exactly. <laughs> no, no that, that's, that's perfect. That's exactly right. Uh, that's one of my, my old bosses was fond of saying where we're glorified meat photographers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I have to say, since I found that so fascinating as a way of getting us, getting me, to understand VR film, I love that. I'm already using that. You know the shortcuts, the VR. If you if you're into VR filming, but let's can we begin from there a bit? Uh, you you told us about this piece or this area in the brain, and how it responds when we're listening to someone, as uh, people are listening to us now. But it responds differently, radically differently, when it's watching, shall we call it, a traditional film. Give us a little oh, back. Yeah, give us a bit of, of that. You know, this is interesting, at least to me. Uh -huh. So you know, it's this is still controversial in the scientific literature. So I don't, I don't want to state it too hardly as as fact. But, uh -huh. uh, what people are finding as they do sort of fMRI studies of the brain, which are essentially these brain scans, which measure uh, blood flow to different parts of the brain and by proxy mm -hmm. uh, to, to determine which parts of the brain are activated during different tasks, mm -hmm. like, you know, sort of the back of your brain is the occipital lobe is activated when you're uh, processing visual information, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. people have, what people are beginning to find is there's a certain loop, processing loop in the brain involved in learning, and that sort of processing loop becomes activated when you're hearing a story. Mm -hmm. And it's thought that sort of listening to stories was sort of our ancestors' way of, of learning information. Uh, so when you were, you know, the you were a caveman and learning how to hunt uh, wildebeest or, or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you'd hear stories about hunting other animals from the village elders, and you would sort of learn to hunt in some respect that way. And, you know, if you've ever sort of listened to a story or watched a movie and been in sort of a, a trance-like state, perhaps that's putting it too harshly, but mm -hmm. uh, what... Uh, I sort of describe it to as to people as is uh, when you someone pulls out a cell phone yes in a movie and suddenly you're snapped out of the movie yes that sensation of being in the movie uh, is sort of this other state of awareness where you're sort of processing information mm -hmm. and sort of learning information at the same time and what's interesting that brain studies show is that when you're in this state uh, the parts of the brain that are activated are not the ones you'd expect. Uh, you'd expect sort of the visual centers, the auditory centers of the brain to be activated, but also activated are the, the parts of the brain which are responsible for, for motion, mm -hmm. which are responsible for movement and for sort of, you know, sort of task-based processing. Mm. Uh, and what people think is it gives you this sort of experience of being there physically with the characters. Yes. So when you're watching Star Wars, you're not just watching... The, in some 
sort of psychological aspect. You're not just watching the film. You're kind of experiencing it with the characters. You kind of feel like you're there with Luke. You're there with Leia. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can any sort of outside distraction kind of snaps you out of that state temporarily before you get back into the movie. And uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was just thinking, you know, and there are, not that all movies have had, well, let's just speak for myself, not all, all movies has, have had that effect on me, but I certainly know what you're talking about, uh, like watching movies about car races, for instance, and the the way it's shot. You really, it, and it's, of course it's done intentionally to make you feel that you're physically in the car or in a horse race on the back of the horse or whatever. Uh, those things pull you in, but you can also be, pulled into the movie emotionally. And since I've already mentioned Robert Redford, um, oh, now I have to remember the movie. Oh, The Horse Whisperer. I was pulled into that movie with the opening music and uh, cinematography. I I was there long before any of the people arrived (laughs) on the horse, you know. And so movie has that power. Uh, Film has that power. But you are going considerably further with VR film. So we're going to tell them in case they haven't guessed, what is VR filming? VR filming is essentially filming a scene uh, with several different cameras in 360 degrees. So what winds up happening is after you put on a virtual reality headset, so uh, sort of a a small computer screen you can wear in front of your eyes Uh that's tracked positionally so it can tell when you're moving your head. It allows you to feel like you're actually there in the room mm. with characters, and you can look around in, in any direction in 360 degrees. So you can see any part of the scene you like. Mm-hmm. So we have seen movies where people wear such, they seem mm-hmm. a little, I would say more than a, a football helmet. They look like uh, maybe space helmets almost, something between a space helmet and a football helmet. We've seen in a, a traditional movie a scene with someone who wears something like that and we get to see what they see. But career opportunities in organized crime, the whole movie is the experience of a feature-length virtual reality film. You are within or surrounded by the story. You're absorbed in the story. What, what, is that correct? And, and tell us how and why and all that. it to people is it's it's kind of hard to it is actually kind of hard to describe it without actually having experienced it before mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll certainly give it my my darndest yes. uh, <laughs> essentially you know uh, well you know I'm, I'm a huge fan of the, the Sopranos and uh-huh. uh, yeah and uh, you know I was always wondering you know wouldn't it have been awesome to be there with with Tony and the guys uh, <laughs> as they go about their adventures wouldn't it have been cool to like Yes. So when I made my own sort of uh, little gangster movie, uh, I thought it might be cool, you know, couldn't you be sitting with the gangsters mm-hmm. uh, next to them at the dinner table while they, they make their plans? So that's what we tried to do. So we put the 360-degree video camera in a variety of different positions uh, in the scenes mm-hmm. uh, to make you feel like you were, you were there, like sitting with the characters or working with the characters throughout the movie. When you put on the headset, you feel like you're kind of immersed uh, in this world, mm-hmm. and you're kind of not sitting in your living room on a couch, but you're rather with them as they go about their business on the street or are, 
And I think if, if people are having trouble still understanding uh, uh, this experience, uh, there are amusement park I remember, uh, rides. Yeah. I remember particularly um, Disney, one of the Disney parks I went to uh, as an adult. And they had, maybe it probably was Space Center or whatever. But um, you, you go in and you are on the spaceship. You feel it, and they do it with movement and, and uh, video and surround sound and all of that. So this, while this is technology used in a, a feature-length film, is uh, perhaps a new adjustment for an audience. The idea that you can be pulled into the film and that, that, that idea is a very exciting one to experience is something we should welcome, not be afraid of. What, I, I'm sure you feel the same, but tell me, it, how do you make us feel comfortable with this technology? You know, there's uh, a number of different things we did uh, to try to make it more accessible to people trying it out for the first time. One is the camera was, was always static uh, mm. in, in every shot we did. So one of the, the hurdles to the adaptation of, of virtual technology and in ver or virtual reality in various technologies is the disconnect between the motion in VR and you sitting still actually causes nausea uh, uh -huh. in some people. Mm -hmm. Essentially, you're, you feel like your eyes are sensing that you're moving while your inner ear is sensing that you're not and that disconnect that doesn't sit well with people. Uh -huh. uh, so to make sure people uh, while watching our film didn't, didn't get that sensation, we always had the camera sort of sitting still. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, so and uh, also the kind of way we shot the movie is you get closer to the characters as the film goes on. So as the film begins, you're kind of more distant to the characters. You're more with sort of video crew and looking at things kind of from a distance. And as the film goes on, you kind of get more and more placed into the center of the action. Excellent. So we are we are gradually uh, brought to into this new uh, surround world. You know. When I think of, and, and and by the way, if I haven't mentioned it, the, the scene that I watched, I really enjoyed. It's hysterical. We're going to talk about the movie itself, at least in the second segment. But I just want to sort of set up everyone to understand the differences. Uh, but, you know, surround sound comes to mind, even theater in the round. Uh, these are things that we have that have evolved their, the arts in, in, uh, in their own disciplines. So it's exciting to me, again, listening to your lecture about explaining it all and what the, we want to talk about, what the camera looks like, because it's really cameras and, you know, all of that. But um, one more traditional thing, if I could, it's kind of an Aristotle thing with me. The, you describe the, the seven basic plots that we tend to know, at least in the Western world, in film, in plays, in television. My, my wife often says, asks me, why are they, they all kind of do the same thing? I said, well, it's, it, there is an Aristotle, you know, there is the arc, but uh, it's not, it's not, it's how you, how you make things beautiful and interesting and exciting and surprising and all that within the arc. But tell us the seven basic plots and then, how and if you get away from that? Oh, sure. Uh, so, you know, this, this really blew my mind uh, the, the first time I, I realized it. 
because you don't, you're not actively aware uh, of it when you're reading a book or mm-hmm. watching a film. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, there's some controversy about to the extent with which this is true, but th- there's something definitely there. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, that this theory that sort of all narratives that really resonate with people mm-hmm. uh, fall into one of seven different categories. And, you know, I, I can't remember them all at hand, but sort of the hero's journey, coming of age, yes. uh, comedy, tragedy, and sort of the structure of a story will tend to, to follow one of these seven narratives, mm-hmm. which uh, for some reason we've sort of evolved naturally to, to enjoy mm. as people. And so when you're watching a film, you'll notice uh, at the beginning, usually kind of a, a, a dopey character we're meant to, to emphasize with, and then an antagonist is introduced somewhere early on uh, in the film. They'll kind of at its midpoint, there'll be sort of a false victory mm-hmm. of the good guy against the bad guy and about sort of halfway through the film. And then suddenly the bad guy will resurge. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'll be this scene where all hope is lost towards the end. And then miraculously, the good guy comes out at the end, yes. at the very end. And you'll find, and that sort of hero's journey kind of tale and that sort of story narrative, for whatever reason, really permeates all of narrative literature, not not just film, but, mm-hmm. you know, going back through through novels or even ancient tales. Yes. Uh, sort of, for whatever reason, it really packs a punch emotionally. Mm-hmm. So sort of when I was, I was making career opportunities, I, I kind of wanted it to have that sort of similar story arc which viscerally sort of gets to people Mm -hmm. but at the same time use the new technology it's kind of a way to deliver a more immersive version of that narrative Mm -hmm. part of sort of my hypothesis going in 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 making the film so i guess that kind of betrays my scientific background but uh was you know you get that sort of story or trance-like state that I was describing, not, not just with films, mm-hmm. uh, but also with when you're reading a book mm-hmm. or even when you're listening to somebody else around the campfire mm-hmm. uh, or really whenever you're, you're hearing a story told. Yes. But it somehow, to me, at least feels more immersive. And there's some fMRI data, you know, again, controversial, that shows movies tend to give a more profound sense of this trance-like state than for most people mm-hmm. uh, who aren't avid readers books or, or just being told a story through voice mm-hmm. uh, so my hypothesis was wouldn't uh, being immersed in the story completely in 360 degrees wherever you look uh, give an even more intense uh, sort of trance-like uh, sensation than hearing the, the narratives we're used to hearing in, in film so this was Career Opportunities in Organized Crime was an experiment. We're going to talk more about that sort of an experiment to find out what the experience would be like with uh, uh, virtual reality filmmaking. We are speaking to the filmmaker himself, Alex Oshmiansky. Oh, okay, great. Okay, we're going to be right back with Alex and uh, speak more about, uh, well, career opportunities and organized crime. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now, 
another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. When you enter the world of the way, you'll feel it right away. Schmaltz. But even laid on thick, schmaltz can have its own reward. The Way is about a father-son relationship. It was written and directed by Emilio Estevez and stars his father, Martin Sheen, as Tom Avery. As the film opens, Tom's son has been killed in a climbing accident in the Pyrenees while pursuing spiritual connection along the 500-mile trek known as the Camino de Santiago. Realizing he may not have given his son all that a father could, Tom decides to complete his son's journey. Carrying his son's ashes, he sets out to complete the Camino himself. This may all appear to be an ideal setup for maudlin manipulation, yet why does this film ultimately work so well? Because it explores the yearning common to us all, the need for a meaningful connection with the world around us, both spiritually and physically. Tom sets out on his journey planning to keep to himself, but a community forms around him, and the connections add warmth and meaning to all of their lives. Instinctively, we relate. So plow onward along the way, either ignoring or delighting in the melodrama. The joy is in the quest. The way, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is Alex Ashmiansky. Alex and Akabimi Productions, LLC, has made a mockumentary. It's a film about making a recruitment video, which is okay, trying to give people jobs, recruiting people for employment. But this recruitment video is being uh, done and paid for by the Russian mafia, who needs, uh, shall we say, more ammunition. And the big thing is, it kind of started out, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, it started out as an experiment to see what kind of experience a feature-length virtual reality film would be. In other words, by VR film, we mean seeing 360 degrees, being literally, visually anyway, surrounded by the story, being absorbed inside, into the story. And the results, well, I'll ask Alex, how, how is your film a whole new kind of cinematic experience that hasn't existed before. How's that for a question? Oh, well, first I have to say, I, I'm obviously quite biased. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, at least I, I like to think it turned out okay. Uh, but uh, essentially, uh, so we shot the film in two separate ways. Uh, one, we shot it uh, with conventional cinema cameras. We, we used a Red Epic uh, cinema camera. Uh-huh. Uh, but, we also shot it with uh, essentially a 360-degree camera or set of cameras uh, simultaneously. Uh, and the idea is, at least the experimental part of it, is that you can watch the film both ways mm -hmm. and see how the experience of it compares. Uh, so in the conventional way, the, the sort of director uh, is, is telling you where to look by selecting the shots, selecting the camera angles, and deciding essentially what part of the, the scene you see, just like in every movie uh, you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. In the, the virtual reality version, you are sort of placed in the room and can look in any direction in the scene you, you like. So, you know, you can look behind you, you can look above you, uh, you can completely ignore the, the main action taking place in front of you, but you feel like you're more 
at least uh, I hope people feel like they're more immersed in the world mm-hmm. uh, because it's suddenly happening in, in real time mm-hmm. all around them. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said in the last segment, for those who may just be joining us, uh, think surround sound, think theater in the round, and then square it. Because film, as, as Alex and I have already discussed, and most people know this, film, you get people in a dark room, we get immersed we have our experience. We drift into uh, being one of the characters. But what Alex has produced here in Career Opportunities and Organized Crime is that visually and virtually, he's put us right next to, as he said, the Sopranos. Let, let's talk about, I want to talk about the camera, cameras themselves, although encased in one and acting as one camera in, in, as a unit. But let's mention, before I forget, um, the film is playing as part of the virtual reality uh, experience expo at South by Southwest. Now, if you don't know about that, we're going to ask Alex to tell us. But this is taking place in Austin, Texas, from March 16th to March 18th. And you have to sort of make an appointment to be able to view it. But first, let's talk about the equipment. We are... Alex is shooting career opportunities in organized crime in 360 degrees reality. Alex, what kind of equipment adjustments and other adjustments, set adjustments, light, camera, you know, the works. Tell us, tell us the technical challenges for it, for you and when you did this. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I think this is something uh, everyone in the, the na- sort of this nascent uh, industry is, is trying to simultaneously uh, sort out and decide what works best. So the camera we used uh, was actually six GoPro cameras put in a 3D printed so-called rig. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially it's uh, six separate cameras, each of them pointing in a different direction, up, down, left, right, front, back. And uh, they're put in essentially a shell to keep them all aligned properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we used different commercially available rigs uh, a Freedom 360 and a 360 Hero rig to film, to put the cameras in and, and film uh, all the scenes at the same time. And then afterwards, you take the, the footage from each individual camera and you uh, stitch it, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, together in post-processing so that the image from one camera blends into the image from another camera mm. uh, and you get one cohesive image of the entire scene altogether. And then that footage can be edited and manipulated just like any other video footage in the same video editing tools uh, that any other video can be can be edited in. I use primarily Adobe, so After Effects or Premiere. Uh, you can use just the same uh, as you would with, with any other video. Now, the actual filming of the movie... So, Part of the benefit of, of our conceit of, uh, of making a mockumentary mm-hmm. was that it kind of made sense that there might be, you know, a boom mic in the scene. Yes. While, you know, the, everything is happening because there's meant to be a video crew. There. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that made things easy for us or easier. For easier, us. yes. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, if there's a, a piece of lighting equipment there, it doesn't make, it, it's not completely irrational mm-hmm. that there would be a piece of lighting equipment there. But that being said, you know, the, the sheer amount of lighting equipment and uh, audio equipment and other tools on a conventional movie set didn't make a lot of sense for, for a lot of what we were shooting. Mm-hmm. So we relied, uh, we relied really heavily uh, 
non-natural light as our sort of lighting source throughout throughout much of the film. In retrospect, uh, probably what would have been good is uh, you know, finding some natural ways to put in LED, LED or flat panel lights against uh-huh. windows to provide sort of augmentation of that light. Yes. Or, and uh, what a lot of uh, sort of people in the industry are doing is sort of covering up lights in, in green and manually rotoscoping them out uh, after shots are filmed and, hmm. and other film equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially going frame by frame and removing the unnecessary equipment from each shot that's not meant to that's not meant to be there in ancient Egypt or wherever the filmmaker is trying to put you. Yes. Essentially what winds up happening is a lot of the conventional filmmaking equipment either has to, to not be there or, or has to be hidden. It's kind of an open problem in the industry how, how best to do that. And and it's and it's certainly a problem in traditional filmmaking as well. It's just uh, it's just not as much of a problem. You know, you move everything to yeah. one side of the room and you shoot, and then you move it back and shoot. But not so with 360 degrees, not so with uh, VR filmmaking. Uh, that's a, a lot more challenging. What's what's the question? You know, when you when you talk about this or about the film, career opportunities and organized crime and VR filmmaking, what are the first three things people ask you? popular culture but but not entirely there yes is what is it exactly virtual reality is is uh-huh. it kind of like are those glasses you wear at the movie and it look, makes <laughs> things 3d uh, yeah no no that's uh, that's by bar and you know that makes sense uh, yes you know the 3d makes you feel kind of more immersive you know i i personally am not a big fan of the of perhaps ironically the, the 3d uh-huh. uh, at, at the movies uh, and putting on the Uh, yes. Because, yeah, I feel like I kind of forget that it's 3D after like two or three minutes and I'm just wearing these bulky glasses for the rest of the movie. <laughs> uh, you know, it was really, you know, well done, like James Cameron's Avatar and, and, yes. and there with a with a reason. You know, most of the time it's, it's just sort of superfluous. Mm-hmm. And sort of, a, you know, the way I try to differentiate, uh, you know, virtual reality from that is if you look to your side, uh, to your left, the sort of uh, 3D movie uh, that you go to see at the theater, uh, you just see the person sitting next to you. Yes. In the, in the virtual reality, you look to your left and you still see the characters and you still see the movie. Mm. And if you look to your right, you still see the movie and, and so on and so forth. Mm. So you're sort of completely enwrapped in 360 degrees within the movie. Wow. That is, you know, and, and I've heard you, of course, on video explain this before, today and i'm still fascinated when i when you just when you say it i think you hey you pull me in i'm with you <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm absorbed you did it i'm seriously because i see that and i just find that fascinating it's you know i've finally in my adulthood i've learned to sit still in the movie theater and now i may not i may be looking all around but okay all right but um Again, career opportunities and organized crime. We talked about the the film, and we've talked about the cameras and how they're sort of encased. It looked like to me like a cube. Would that be correct? The camera is a sort of large cube, but a cube. And you say it 
so far anyway, it stays in one place. Mm. So there isn't the problem of tracking or tilting or panning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, at, least at, at least at this point. At this point, uh, yes. All of those aspects can be, can be introduced. Okay. Uh, and um, let's see, what else? I see so much. It's a, it's, it's a hands-on exhibition, this, this uh, where you are uh, showing. And again, I want to say that we'll give the website. You have to go to a website to make an appointment, to take a time slot when you can watch this virtual film. And it's 82 minutes, so plan your day accordingly. But we'll give you that information a bit more. I'm still being fascinated, so. But I want to give you information too. The film is playing as part of the VR AR. What's the AR? Oh, uh, augmented reality. Uh, augmented uh, reality, of course. And augmented reality, tell us. You know, virtual reality is the sense of being completely immersed in a, in a completely another environment. Uh-huh. Uh, augmented reality is sort of a projection of like uh, virtual projections onto the roof uh, area you're currently sitting in. Uh. So, so what do I mean by that? So if you've seen sort of phone apps where you can lift up your phone and move it around and it gives you street information based oh. on yes. what, the cam- what the phone is seeing, yes. Uh, yes. that's kind of augmented reality. Or Tom Cruise in Minority Report. Oh, where yes, he's yes. sort of looking around and moving, and things are sort of changing as, he, as he's looking at them with data projected in front of his uh, glasses. Yes. Or, you know, like a heads-up display of a fighter pilot would see. Yeah. That's, uh, that's augmented reality. Yeah, Microsoft is meant to come out with a product in the next year or so called the HoloLens, where it sort of changes what you're... Where you're looking around, and it changes the image on the screen based on on what's in front of you. So it sort of projects, and like you'll look at a street, and it'll say "turn left here" mm. for giving directions. Sorry, I guess that's not the best explanation of it, but uh, it, again, it's one of those things that once you see it, it becomes immediately intuitive. But exactly, it's, uh, very difficult to explain. Well, you're doing extremely well. You're doing so well, <laughs> and I hope you're not offended no. by this. It took me to this. You know how some people feel that um, aliens came down to ancient Egypt and helped build the pyramids, and part of the reason they feel that is that they've found things that some feel, drawings and carvings and engravings that look like space helmets. So as you were saying all of that to me, I was thinking, my goodness, here we are certainly with uh, virtual reality filmmaking uh, taking this giant step now we are sort of going in that direction. Are we not coming full circle with that with that theory? And <laughs> that will be, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean. I don't know. You just get, you took me there. It's your fault. I'm going. Whoa, this is. Mm. <laughs> anyway, this experience on March 16th and 18th with career opportunities in organized crime. That's the film, the VR film. It's a hands-on exhibition. It's it's featuring a selection of the best new virtual and augmented reality technologies, the kinds of things that uh, Alex has been talking to us about. And it's March 16th through the 18th at the Hilton. The experience is open for all of the South by Southwest for the in crowd. That's SXSW, Music, Film, and Interactive 
registrants. So I hope it didn't leave anything out, but one thing I want to hit, we've, we've got a little more time, we can talk more about the film, but one thing I definitely want to mention, who are your keynote speakers, uh, Alex? Do you know about... Oh, sure. um, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I just heard, but before we get into that, let me uh, quickly add... Uh, you know, and, and hopefully about one month after the festival itself, we uh -huh. should have uh, the film in, in wide release as well. Oh, great. Uh, that is, anybody with a, probably in late April, April 20th is our, our tentative release date. Uh, anybody who wants to should be able to download the film themselves onto their VR headset, which is coming, most of which are coming out in late March, early April, mm -hmm. uh, or onto your cell phone, uh, which oh, you can wow. turn into a... a VR headset uh, with uh, a cardboard kit from from Google. Uh, yeah, but no, I think I, I know what you're getting at. Uh, apparently, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama yes. uh, are going speaking at South by Southwest this year, uh, which was kind of a surprise. Yeah. Very cool. It, it, you know, it is very cool. My goodness, um, the uh, Barack Obama certainly is. Uh, of course, President of the United States. But as President mm. of the United States, he certainly is a leap into the future, something that has never happened before. And that he is a part of this South by Southwest um, virtual reality experience, I think, um, sends a great signal. You know, we we have got to lead the way in so many ways and where things have dropped education and other we have got to get back on board but i've always felt always that the arts lead the way in so many ways it's a shame they're not as as funded as as other things but the the arts uh, i've seen arts with the, their effect on young children and and on the elderly as well as uh, theater goers and those who binge watch uh, House of Cards and and those who go out and see film as it should be seen and you are taking us even further in how film should be seen uh, as we get absorbed. Let's talk about the the website and how we initially uh, get to see the film before the wide release. Oh, sure. uh, so if you go to the website www.mafiacareers.com, uh, <laughs> all one word. Uh, Sorry. You'll see for the for the Russian mafia uh, and at the top there, there will be at the very top there's a link uh, to, to register a, a time slot at the South by Southwest uh, VR AR Expo uh, to re uh, reserve a slot to, to watch the film in its entirety mm -hmm. again that's uh, www.mafiacareers.com very good and how do we find you on Facebook and Twitter Very good. All right. Well, Alex, it's just been exhilarating to talk to you. I mean, it's a, it's, it's mind blowing. It's, uh, it's, it's intellectually stimulating. As it's just an exciting concept. Did I even ask you this one day? Did you just wake up and go? I think you did say something. Wouldn't it be interesting if all great things start with that? Wouldn't it be great if uh, an idea, something you saw? But what? Uh, Nail it for me if you can. What made you go, I'm going to do this? Oh, well, you know, I, I've sort of, it's, it's been a lifelong dream to, uh -huh. to, to make a movie. Uh, and, you know, one day I, I was just kind of like, you know, wouldn't it be awesome to be in the movie with the 
my favorite characters. Yes. Uh, and I heard about this technology, and I was like, I think this, this could do that, so that you could sort of experience the movie from inside it. And uh, I, I couldn't resist the chance to, to try to make that happen for the first time. And I think also your, your day job uh, expertise we all, you know, the paths take us the way they take us if we're open to them. And I think uh, that it's a nice marriage. It's it's quite, it's fascinating. All right. We've been talking to filmmaker Alex Ashmiansky. Close? You got it. Oh, my goodness. Well, then I won't try it again. <laughs> Alex Ashmiansky and his mockumentary, um, uh, uh, Career Opportunities and Organized Crime, Uncle Gino would be proud, let me tell you. And it's just been a fascinating uh, look into what is not science fiction, but the reality of virtual reality and augmented reality experience in film. And Alex is uh, right out there leading the way. It's the first feature-length uh, virtual reality film. And it remember, we, you, you can see it by visiting the website www.mafiacareers.com and make an appointment to see it between March and 16th and 18th. But as Alex has told us, it will be coming out full release um, around April 20th, I think you said. Yes, Alex? Yep, that's correct. Okay. Thank you so much, Alex, for being on the show. We wish you all the best and keep uh, our brains. Thank you so much for my pleasure and always uh, keep our brains out there expanding new things and new ideas and new experiences let us not fear the future let's embrace it let's get absorbed in it as alex wants us to be okay all right well uh, thank you again thank you again my pleasure bye now stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from the reasonable voice Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. We humans have an incredible ability to survive adversity. And stories like Room offer hope that our inner strengths will come to the forefront in the most difficult of circumstances. Room is the story of Joy, abducted as a teenager and locked into a shed as the property of old Nick. Two years into the ordeal, she gives birth to Jack. Survival instinct keeps her sane. Mother's instinct keeps her child safe. Joy tries to escape, but old Nick is too strong. Where strength has failed, can cunning ultimately prevail? If so, can life possibly become normal after such prolonged torture? And what of the child who has known only the world of the shed when he is exposed to what the big, wide world has to offer? Room is a vivid character study, a thriller, and a fully realized exploration of an extraordinary circumstance. Its paradoxical story is fascinating, scary, horrific, and yet hopeful, cautiously. Our journey is especially elevated by eloquent performances from its two leads. Brie Larson is Joy, and nine-year-old revelation Jacob Tremblay is Jack from whose perspective the story is told. Together they are sure that Room, with all its complicated simplicity, transcends to greatness. Room, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.
Women Trump Women Haters. 1513. With or without metal codpiece, Ponce de Leon discovers future home of thongs. 2005. Pope John Paul II, on the wings of arguably the largest funeral ever, returns home. 2016. More than half of American population suffers the slings and arrows of outrageous income disparity, second-class citizenship, and constitutional inequity. In other words, no penis equals diminished returns on education investment, glass ceiling limitations on the rainmaker's rain, and, as for your body, public domain property. Add a dash of color and reap the rewards of gender gap, risk of rape, and small checks and balances on steroids. Finally, for lessons in Christian hypocrisy, political expediency, and red state denial of marital bliss, take your choice of LGBT. Using the Bible to disrespect any American damages personal pride, international reputation as justice for all beacon, and national honor. For better or worse, like virginity, honor is lost when suits ignore female protestations or challenges, choosing to stand by rather than stand up for better half. Honoring equal economic opportunity and income parity is not only an Olympian issue, it is the cornerstone of our global definition, national proclamations, and raison d'etre, unless we elect to declare our Bill of Rights a sovereign moral compass that excludes all but straight, pale-faced males. To embrace an America of financial elites astride to the backs of both working sexes is choosing mob rule over reason, chaos over our democratic republic, and the dishonor of mass treason against all Lincoln and hundreds of thousands fought and died to preserve. We are either the trumped America of a forgotten Tea Party, hooded KKK, and caste system of haters hating diversity of race, creed, and lifestyle, or we are a national work in progress striving to move forward after a calamitous trickle-down banker-induced recession, recapturing its center in the courage of United We Stand. When peace like a river attends the American way, the American dream blooms with the promise of faith and the potential of science. However, when on prom night we elect to roll over and expose our Declaration of Independence to corporatism's Citizens United tool, we carry to term collateralized debt obligations, gender apartheid, and forgetting Earth and our habitable time upon it aren't inexhaustible, both natural resources and, we hold these truths to be self-evident, extinction. Historically, when failing to be first responders to love thy neighbor as thyself, we've become vulnerable to both the lowest domestic common denominator and most violent foreign threat. For example, for our antebellum South to thrive, it sustained itself on a foundation of inhumane servitude, enslaved men, women, and children. Native Americans had to be humiliated on a trail of tears to guarantee the survival of an Andrew Jackson presidency and ultimately the sanctity of the Mason-Dixon line. In the 21st century, 
Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, ISDA Agreements, Corporatisms, Pharmaceutical, Tobacco, Food Conglomerates, and Oil Company Boards, and Political Puppets Prostituting the South Shall Rise Again, might require a 21st century Abraham pleading to a god to save us from demigods of, by, and for the street. However, hope is still America's bottom line. For even in the midst of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Great Depression, the Cold War, Cuban Missile Crisis, and even Bush-Cheney oil wars induced recession, we have reaped rewards from investing in women and men of honor, integrity, and character. While there is little honor in Chicago murder rates, border walls, mass incarcerations, or Loudoun County CIA use of school buses, our national character, like American female soccer players, is a rapid response team to any individual invitation for liberty and justice for all. Consider this. Emulating good Samaritans like Jacob Grant, Richmond's Chad Dermeyer, and the call to action by the United States women's national soccer team on and off the field, is America's best family value. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.